Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. Hoops Tonight is presented by FanDuel. The NBA is back and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. This is my favorite sports betting app that is out there. It is safe and easy to use, easy to get your money in and out. I love that cash out feature. So if you're in good shape with one of your bets and you don't want to risk garbage time, you can get your money out quickly. Use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to make every moment more this NBA season. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, permitted parishes only, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. one 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY to 467-369 in New York. In Tennessee Redline, dial 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Saturday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible week and that you have big plans 
for the weekend. We're going to touch on six games this morning in varying capacities. Some games I watched the whole game, other games I was only able to catch crunch time. You guys know the drill when there's that many games going on in one night. We're going to open up with uh, the Warriors losing at home to the Denver Nuggets. And what was a fun game, um, Denver played extremely well. Golden State not as well as they're capable of. Uh, Still made it close at the end. Clay Thompson had a pretty decent look at the top of the key to uh, send the game to OT. We're going to dive into that game. Um, Brooklyn notched a very important win at home over the Toronto Raptors to kind of change the tenor of the start of their season. Phoenix and Portland had a really entertaining overtime battle. Damian Lillard had his first great game since coming back from injury. Um, The Boston Celtics had an impressive win on the road in Miami against the Heat that we'll touch on. The Utah Jazz go into Minnesota to go up to 2-0 in a game that had to have felt good for a lot of people that work and or play in the Utah Jazz organization. And then Bradley Beal and DeMar DeRozan had a battle that led to the Washington Wizards going up to 2-0. So we're going to touch on all six of those games in some capacity. You guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos, you can always find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. So this game was all about shot making, in my opinion. Um, You know, on any given night for any given team, there's a spectrum of performances, right? Um, on in every facet of the game, like your defense can range from whatever their best version is to their their worst version, right? And everything in between. Or from a shooting perspective, some nights you make your wide open threes, some nights you don't. Some nights you rescue a bunch of possessions making tough shots, other nights you don't. It's a make or miss league. You guys have all heard that expression before. And I, I think it can be used as a cop out sometimes because I do believe that you have some control over those things. Like if you make a team feel uncomfortable from the opening tip, I just think it's statistically less likely that they'll beat you with shot making because they'll all be uncomfortable and they'll all have, you know, a lower end of their spectrum type of shooting nights because you did a better job defending. So I don't think if you're a Warriors fan or a Warriors player, excuse me, that you can just go back to the locker room and be like, ah, they made all their shots. Like it is what it is. But at the same time, like this was an impressive shot making performance from Denver. Um, so obviously on the wide open shots, Denver was eight for 15 on wide open threes. That means defender at least six feet away. Golden state was six for 19. So obviously a little bit of shot variance there, but man, I I was watching the game and it just felt like time and time again, Denver nuggets were making massive, important shots to stymie runs or to, to, you know, seed or to regain momentum in the game. And a lot of them appeared to be difficult shots. And so I went into the tracking data just to check. Denver was 9 for 14 in this game on tightly and very tightly guarded shots, according to NBA.com. That's that's some impressive shot making. You know, I, I didn't think either team defended exceptionally well. Um, like Denver in general is going to struggle guarding Golden State just because of their foot speed and quickness. Golden State, I thought from the start, didn't quite have the same level of defensive intensity and ball pressure that they usually have, which, like I said, will typically lead to teams feeling more comfortable in making shots. Specifically at the end of the first quarter was where this one went off the rails. And specifically, Dante DiVincenzo needs to be better guarding in ball screens, getting over the top of screens and applying back pressure because, man... Bones Highland 
he went on one hell of a run to end the first quarter. He scored or assisted on 16 points in that quarter, just spamming high pick and roll, making jump shots, pull up jump shots off the dribble, finishing at the rim, making reads to shooters. Jeff Green hit a couple of big shots. And then on the other end of the floor, Jordan Poole kind of had a little bit of a rough night. He did have uh, seven assists, but he had only seven points and had four turnovers in the game. That was how they got their early lead. And then the rest of the game was just kind of a combination of Golden State clawing back and making it a game and then Denver making shots and and getting the lead back up. And then Golden State making a run and making it a game and then Denver making shots and and getting the uh, the game back to a point where they were comfortable. And there were a lot of players for Denver who made key shots or key plays during those runs. Like Aaron Gordon couldn't make a three in this game. I think he was 0 for 5 or 0 for 6. But man, he made some really important twos. There was like a a post up on the left block where, uh, and I, I looked up the numbers just to check because I, I never really thought of Aaron Gordon as a, as a, uh, a successful post-up player. And he was right around 0.9 points per possession in post-ups, which honestly isn't bad, but it's nothing exceptional either. And he hit like one of the toughest shots in basketball, which is a turnaround fadeaway for a, for a right-handed shooter over your left shoulder, because on that shot, you have to square up in midair, especially when you're spinning. So like you're planting your foot with your right foot behind your left foot, but you have to finish with your right foot in front of your left foot because most right-handed shooters like to square up with their shoulder, right shoulder a little bit further forward. And he just rose up and he knocked the shot down. And I'm sitting there like, man, like this is just one of those nights, I guess. Like it was just a big time shot from Aaron Gordon to stymie a run. Contavious Caldwell Pope just time and time again making huge plays transition threes, attacking closeouts. I covered him when he was with the Lakers, and I always referred to him as one of the best closeout attackers in the league. And there's really like, there's four things you have to be able to do to be a good closeout attacker, okay? You have to be able to knock down spot-up threes, which Contavious Caldwell Pope does really, really well. You have to be able to be quick to the basket, meaning like if you are, uh, like if you need to gather really well to explode to the rim, Guys are going to rotate and be able to get to you. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is an amazing left leg jumper. And single leg jumping is the best way to extend out in front of you rather than slowing your momentum down to jump off of two feet. And he's just really good at either, either knocking down that jumper, ripping through and going all the way to uh, finish with his right hand. He's got a one dribble pull up that he can knock down. That's the third thing. He had a really nice uh, one dribble pull up in the fourth quarter where he was in the left corner, pump fake, rip through, rise up at 17 feet, and he knocked it down. And then you have to be able to make reads, meaning if you rip through and the one dribble pull up's not there and the stuff's not there at the basket, it's swinging to the next guy in the cycle to continue that driving kick. <clears throat> KCP is one of the best at that in the league. In, in in general, is just a really dependable role player. I It's so funny, like LeBron has to be missing this guy. And, and, you know, uh, I I knew the Russell Westbrook trade was a bad idea when it happened, but I never in a million years would have suspected that he was the third best player in that trade. And both Kyle Kuzma and Kendavious Caldwell-Pope are just simply better than Russell Westbrook right now, which is absolutely wild. But a really, really impressive game from him. One of the biggest things with KCP that he does super well is transition threes. And we talked a lot about movement shooting on this show and how <clears throat> it's so important to be able to 
get your feet set and to go straight up and down when you're on the move because the vast majority of quality looks that you'll find, especially in an NBA environment, are going to be on the move. And KCP is just really good at sprinting to the corner, catching and rising and firing on balance and knocking shots down. That was why I thought it was one of the most underrated pickups of this summer and why he's such a natural fit with Nikola Jokic. Bruce Brown was incredible in this game. He made clutch shot after clutch shot after clutch shot. He had like a a uh, a spinning, fading floater that he hit in the lane over Draymond Green at the end. He had a really nice driving layup past Steph that was heavily contested, but he just went up with power and finished at the rim. Um, and then he hit that huge three on the left wing in that like transition pressure possession where Nikola Jokic found him. He between KCP and Bruce Brown, just a couple of really smart moves from the Denver front office to bring in players that naturally fit with Jokic, that help raise their defensive ceiling. Just really really smart moves from them, and both of those guys made huge plays. Michael Porter Jr. obviously made a lot of big shots. You just got to kind of tip the cap if you're a Golden State. Like, yeah, you didn't play good enough defensively. Dante DiVincenzo needs to do a better job. In general, your defensive pressure from the start of the game needs to be better to make guys feel uncomfortable. But I think Denver's the best offense in the league, and they are going to have a lot of games where they get hot and they make a lot of shots, and you kind of feel helpless. Um, one last note on 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 Denver. There, there was a play where uh, in the Helter Skelter Wild sequence at the end of the game where they got it down from 10 to 1 on the uh where they trapped Bones Highland in the corner and he threw that hook pass and and uh um I think it was Jordan Poole came in and stole it and made the layup right as the ball came through the net Jokic just ran out behind the baseline and flicked a baseball pass to Bruce Brown that hit him in stride for a dunk just an incredible play from Jokic from the standpoint of awareness and if you think about what that is in a situation like that, you get the ball in, you foul. The other team's on an 11-2 to two run or whatever it was in the last minute. The crowd's going to be insane. Those are high-pressure free throws that change the dynamic of the game. But instead, you were able to basically skip those free throws by making that incredible play, getting the inbounds and uh, flicking, uh, flicking it down the court to Bruce Brown for the dunk. Clay shot at the end. <clears throat> I, I I saw, you know, Steve Kerr had some comments about it and some Warriors fans didn't particularly like it. Here's the thing. You got to acknowledge time and situation. So for starters, uh, when you're up by three, uh, there's always a chance that they're going to foul you, especially if they feel like it's a safe spot. You know, like if you happen to catch and you don't appear to be looking for a three-point shot at that specific moment in time, they hack you quick, they send you to the line. Now you don't even get your opportunity to tie the game. So that's always in there. Like you might not even get a chance to shoot a three. So like when you happen to catch, even if you're 30 feet away from the basket and you turn and there's nobody around to foul you, that might actually just be your best chance. So I wanted to defend that. And then also like, Clay Thompson is an all-time audacity shooter. This guy takes and makes bad shots all the time, and the Warriors have won basketball games, important basketball games, on Clay Thompson's wild shot selection many times in the past. I'll never forget, you know, you guys probably all remember the, the, game, uh, the game six performance against the Golden State Thunder, or the Golden State Thunder, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, there was a play late in that game where I think Russ had a turnover uh, on Andre Guadala. And uh, they were, I think it was the game was either tied or they were down by one. And Clay ran up the right wing and they flung a transition pass to him. And he just caught and elevated from like 27 feet on the right wing and stuck it. 
And that ended up being the shot that effectively determined the outcome of that game. And in this particular game, he had just made a three on the right wing. So he's already got a little bit of a rhythm. He already feels good. He just saw one go through the net. It's a decent look. You're worried about whether or not they're going to foul you. And he's Clay Thompson, man. You got to let him be wildly confident and to take those types of shots. Um, But yeah, entertaining basketball game, to say the least. I'm never going to be worried about this particular matchup for Golden State. Um, As far as Jokic matchups go, you can't do much better than Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. Um, Kevon Looney in particular had a rough night guarding Jokic tonight, but I've seen him do a really good job on Jokic in the past, so I like that matchup. And then, man, what a a throwback performance from Draymond Green in that second half, making all sorts of defensive plays. This was a – I told – I talked to you guys a lot – you know, right after the Draymond Green fight incident. I talked to you guys about how there, there's, there's this, this tendency with Warriors fans to focus on the negatives on the offensive end of the floor for Draymond. And, and what I told you guys was there are good offensive games for Draymond and there are bad offensive games for Draymond. He has to look to score a certain amount, right? Like he's got to show at least some willingness to shoot the basketball just for teams to treat him honestly, right? He needs to make smart decisions, with the pass, right? He needs to crash the offensive glass. He needs to make good decisions in the short roll. When he does those things, he's a very good offensive player. But then he can have nights where he's too passive and he's making mistakes with the pass. And those nights, it can be especially glaring because then you're watching Steph ride around with two guys chasing him all over the place and Draymond won't shoot the basketball. Like, yeah, it gets a little frustrating in those moments. But this was a vintage Draymond Green performance, controlled the game on the defensive end of the floor. He basically ran point guard for them all night. He had nine assists with only one turnover. Just a throwback performance. Really, really impressive. The last reason why I wouldn't be worried about this particular matchup for Golden State is we all know what it's going to look like when they get to the playoffs. Like, this is going to be, you know, they're, first of all, they're running, the the starters looked great in this game and they were all positive. Um, You were leaning on some funky lineups and some players. Like, I'm not sure Jermichael Green's going to play much when they get into the postseason. I think it's going to be a shrunken down rotation. I think it's going to be Moses Moody a lot. I, th- I think it's going to be, you know, Dante DiVincenzo because they trust him more offensively. I don't think it's going to be a lot of Jermichael Green in particular um, and some of the other guys that they played in that bench group. I don't even know how much you'll see Wiseman when you get into the postseason. And then also they're just going to spread the Denver Nuggets out and they're just going to spam high pick and roll, and Steph is going to try to drag Jokic away from the basket and then beat him off the dribble. We've just seen this movie before. But still, that said, a very impressive win for Denver and a really nice bounce back um, from that disappointing season opening game against the Utah Jazz. So Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, That grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve 
With Discover, limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home services marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled professionals to get the job done well. Something I've always been a big believer in. When you try to take projects on yourself, you usually don't know what you're doing. You usually end up making mistakes, and it can be a big headache. And so not only can a professional from Angie get the job done more efficiently, but they also are people that you can support within your community as local businesses. With over 200,000 pros In their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job is done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects easy. Consider Angie your hub for all your home improvement needs. They can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. Angie has cost guides that will tell you what others have paid for similar projects, both nationally and in your area. And the app is free and easy to use. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Brooklyn, Toronto, the, the, the next five games we're going to hit on pretty quickly. Um, this was a really tough game for Brooklyn to win. I talked about how it kind of reminded me of the Lakers situation where it's like, you get these two incredibly difficult matchups to start the season, and you're a team that doesn't really know who you are yet. Brooklyn has brought in all these new players, and there's a lot of negative energy surrounding the team, obviously, with the Kevin Durant trade situation. And then I've got this Lakers shit show, basically, for lack of a better term. And you're going against two teams that know exactly who they are. They know exactly who their best players are. They know exactly who they want to play. It's really easy to fall down 2-0. Just ask the Los Angeles Lakers. But the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets shrunk down the rotation. They played all their starters big minutes. They treated this as a must win. They leaned heavily on the stars. Kyrie Irving played 41 minutes. And they still got punched in the mouth several times by Toronto. Gave up leads several times. But each time they responded. Uh, Kyrie Irving in particular was magnificent. Obviously a lot of your your classic Kyrie Irving shot making. Ridiculous pull up jump shots off the dribble. He got his three point shot going. I talked to you guys about how in the opening night game. He had 10 looks that were classified as open or wide open, and he only made two of them. His shot quality was good. If you if he continues to get that kind of shot quality in their offense, he's going to make them. Well, he ended up making them last night. But he also passed the basketball extremely well, had seven assists in this game. And then KD um, had, a, had an okay game shooting the basketball, but he ended up making the biggest one, that pull-up three at the top of the key that ended up being effectively the dagger that ended that game. You know, um, I talked a lot about how for the Lakers, <clears throat> you know, I, I still believe in what they can do as long as LeBron and AD are great, right? Like, yes, I want them to make a Russell Westbrook trade to bring in more shooting and, and uh, some more, you know, offensive skill from the role players, right? But the, the reality is, is even with this current roster, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis play like top 10 players, then they're going to win a lot of basketball games still. Here's the problem. AD played like a top 10 player in the first half against Golden State, and then he was pretty bad in the second half against Golden State, and then he was pretty bad in the first half against the Clippers, and then he was pretty bad in the second half against the Clippers. I know he had 25 points and eight rebounds, but AD gets a lot of garbage buckets just as a product of their offense, but in general, he was doing a poor job screening and rolling to the basket. He wasn't – he got absolutely bullied by Zubats on the on the offensive glass. He – 
um, settled for a lot of bad mid-range jump shots that he missed. Like, in general, just wasn't a great game. And then LeBron was fantastic in the first game, but was great as a passer in the second game, but his pull-up jump shot failed him. He only had 20 points in the second game. So, like, at best, I'm getting, like, LeBron's playing, like, a fringe top 10 player right now, and Anthony Davis is playing, like, a top 20 player right now. That's not going to be enough when the tail end of the roster is as weak as it is. Brooklyn's in a similar predicament. They don't have, you know, um, some of their off- some of their lineups lack shooting. You're playing Ben Simmons and, and Nick Claxton. It's a little bit of an imperfect set of role players, right? And we talked a lot about how their toughness was in question after getting absolutely bullied by the New Orleans Pelicans. They have some similar issues. I think Brooklyn's a lot more talented than the Lakers, but some similar issues there. The difference is when last night when KD and Kyrie both played to the top of their ability – they were able to overcome that. Kyrie played like Kyrie Irving, the real Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant played pretty damn good, not great by his standards, but pretty damn good, made timely shots, and they got a win. Like at the end of the day, like I don't know, I don't know that LeBron and AD can be too critical of their supporting cast at this point when they're just not playing good enough yet. They have to play better. At the end of the day, if you end up losing that game, if you're Brooklyn, at least you can look in the mirror and say, hey, like our guys played well. We just need to play better around them, right? Like control what you can control. Kyrie and KD, regardless of what's going on with the roster, you're two of the best players in the world. You need to play like that to give yourself a chance to win. And LeBron and AD need to get that memo, particularly Anthony Davis. Um, One note on Toronto, they're... (laughs) Scotty Barnes was incredible in this game. He was uh, jawing back and forth with KD. I love his competitiveness. You saw this a lot over the summer when he was playing pickup, just going at everybody in the league. Um, but he's got like a lot of a lot of attitude, and I really like that. Um, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Scotty Barnes combined for 64 points in this game. That's going to be something to keep an eye on for Brooklyn, just their ability to defend the bigger, stronger wings that can shoot over the top, particularly Pascal Siakam in this game, which is time and time just going over the top of the defense to knock down shots. All right, Phoenix-Portland. Portland was clinging. I watched just the end of this game, about halfway through the fourth quarter through the overtime. Portland was clinging on for dear life against the Aiton pick and roll down the stretch of that game. They were giving up switches way too easily. And then you kept ending up with like Damian Lillard or Anthony Simons uh, guarding Aiton down low in the post. And they'd immediately dump it down there and score. They tried a bunch of different things to try to get away from that. They put, they tried putting Jeremy Grant on Chris Paul so they could just switch it. But then uh, Chris Paul just rejected the screen once and went right by Jeremy Grant all the way to the basket for a layup. Their best success trying to stop that uh, Phoenix pick and roll was actually going to zone, which they were only at, able to do out of stoppages. But the two times I saw them do it, they got a stop. And then the second time, uh, there was a foul call on Mikhail Bridges, the one where he went to the line to get it to 102 to tie because he went one for two, which I didn't actually necessarily think was a foul. So uh, that was an interesting kind of mix up from them uh, defensively to try to stop that eight and pick and roll. Dame Lillard finally had a great game coming back from the abdominal injury, 41. Um, but he got kind of he kind of cooled off towards the end of the game and he needed someone else to make shots. And there was Anthony Simons. He made a huge three on the right wing. And then that hook shot over Mikhail Bridges, like, man, like, with with the angle that he had driving through the middle 
and the defense angle that Mikhail Bridges took to get to that ball. And Mikhail elevated off his off of his right foot and tried to meet him at the spot with his left hand on a contest. The only way he's getting that shot off is by going with that high hook, which is a damn near impossible shot, and he stuck it. It's kind of like shaping up to be an interesting team because you've got Nurkic, and then they leaned on a lot of Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant at the end, basically doing the dirty work on both ends of the floor, although Jeremy Grant is capable offensively. And then you're leaning on a steady diet of Dame and uh, um, and Anthony Simons to make plays offensively. It's kind of It's kind of an interesting team, a good start for them. Um, Devin Booker made three really solid plays at the end of this game that didn't go his way. So you got to be feeling good if you're a Phoenix. Um, he missed a the, his last three possessions of the game for Phoenix. He missed a pull-up jump shot at the free throw line that was just barely short. That was a great look for him. Then he drove on the right wing to the baseline, got all the way into the paint, and barely missed a short floater. And then on the last play of the game, he made a really nice read to DeAndre Ayton, who got fouled and should have gone to the line to make both free throws and send that game to double OT, and he just missed them. So this is a great late-game execution team in Phoenix. They did execute very well at the end of the game. you got to live with the results, though, in a make-or-miss league. Devin Booker missed two shots that I think the pull-up jumpers, that the kind of look that he got on that shot's about a 50% look for him. And then that floater that he missed, that's about a 70% look for him. And then obviously Aiton is a good free throw shooter who more often than not is going to make those free throws. So uh, good, just you got you to gotta understand an 82-game season, you're going to have some games that don't go your way. This one didn't go your way. Uh, Portland is eighth in defense so far. Um, that's impressive. So they're competing. Um, and uh, say what you want about Sacramento. They are a good offensive team. So they've played two good offensive teams and have done a good job defending so far. Uh, Damon's, uh, Dame and Anthony Simons both look great. And then for Phoenix, you know, for all the drama, for all the stuff I've said about how bad Aiton looked defensively in preseason, they look pretty solid through two games. Uh, Damian Lee in particular has been a great pickup for them. In both games that I've watched Phoenix play, he's been everywhere making plays as a supporting player, like contested rebounds, spot-up shooting. He made another huge left corner three at the end of this game. Just uh, running the floor in transition, just just getting his nose and his chin in the, in, a, in, a, in the right spots in help defense. Just really good basketball from Damian Lee. Um, I really like his fit there. CP3, that's the one thing that would concern me if I'm Phoenix right now is he's been completely ineffective as a scorer so far through two games. Uh, really touch, really quick touch on Boston-Miami. I had this game on on a second screen, and I was just kind of periodically checking on it. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown combined for 57. So back-to-back outstanding games to start the season for both guys. I've said frequently, if the two of them play like top 10 players, then they are the best team in this league. It's just they're typically not consistent enough, but they're, hey, they're two for two into the season. Boston has the number one offense here in the early going. Miami's offense on the other end, not going well. I believe they're 24th. Um, They really messed up this summer by not getting more aggressive, trying to bring in a little bit more offensive talent. I, I would have moved mountains to try to get Donovan Mitchell. I even read a report the other day that Donovan was working out in Miami under the impression that they, that he might be going there. Um, so that seems kind of like a missed opportunity. Utah, Minnesota. Um, so first of all, Minnesota's 15th in defense early on with Rudy Gobert against two teams that are 
you know, talented, but limited in talent relative to the rest of the league, right? Um, the, the OKC Thunder in, in the Utah Jazz, uh, maybe that's playing down to your competition, but definitely not great so far. Really, it comes down to covering ground on the perimeter with Rudy Gobert and Carl uh, and Anthony Towns on the floor at the same time. Specifically, it was Kelly Olynyk that was giving them issues tonight just in terms of the, the geometry of the floor because they kept tucking him away at the three-point line. And now Carl Towns is like his natural instinct is to get sucked into the paint to help because he's been playing big his whole life. But then he kept getting – they kept making him pay. Kelly made five threes in this game. When you in, – in the Utah Jazz, specifically because Laurie Marketing can shoot so well and because Kelly Olynyk can shoot so well and because, you know um, – uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, the big forward that's, uh, that plays for them. It'll come to me in a second. Anyway, um, but he's super a- active and athletic, so he's a little bit more different than your typical lumbering big man that's hanging out in the dunker spot all game long. Uh, but they space you out, and when Jordan Clarkson is shooting the way he is, I think he was 7 for 12 from 3 in this game. Mike Conley was shooting the, w- the way that he was. You've got these two huge wi- uh, big big forwards in Olenek and Markinen that can shoot the shit out of the basketball, and then I've got these two guards that are knocking down all these pull-up jump shots, and then I've got uh, – that's killing me that I can't think of his name. The big forward that's running around making all these plays. Um, they're just, they're just going to they're gonna beat you if you don't bring your A game. That's just the reality of the situation. And, uh, and Minnesota played with fire all night long, and they ended up getting burned. Laurie Markinen in particular was so impressive in this game. He had a shot at the end of regulation where he did uh, a move on Rudy Gobert on the right wing. And, uh, and when he made the move, Rudy's left foot slipped out from underneath him and he came this close to falling down and he left the shot just barely short. And man, would that have been an embarrassing end to that particular game for Rudy Gobert to get crossed up uh, by one of the trade pieces from the tanking jazz to nail a shot in his face to win the game. But hey, it, it came around at the end of overtime. He made a really nice fadeaway jump shot on the left elbow that he left just barely short, but he ended up getting the bounce. Laurie Markkinen, he's huge. He can move and he can shoot. And that makes him a super interesting player. I've wanted the Lakers to try to get him shortly after the Donovan Mitchell trade, but then um, it became quickly apparent that Danny Ainge wanted to keep him. And I don't blame him. He's a really, really interesting young basketball player. Look, Utah is not going to be an easy win. He's there. It's, it's, it's going to be a tough matchup, especially early in the season before Danny Ainge decides to sell these players off. It's going to be tough to beat them. You're going to have to bring your a game. You're going to have to treat them as though they are a, a playoff type of team, because if you don't, they've got the right types of pieces to burn you. The Lakers have them on the schedule twice here in the next couple of weeks. And at this point in the year, when they still are playing all their guys, again, it's not going to be easy. So uh, Lakers might have some trouble on their hands there. Um, the Bulls and the Wizards just saw the very end of this game. Bradley Beal and DeMar DeRozan had a really fun battle. Um, Bradley Beal, at the end of the game, attacking the rim, uh, a really nice finish, um, getting into Vucevic's body at the rim, and then there was a uh, a driving floater that he hit right before uh, the one that ended up actually being the effective game winner. DeMar DeRozan pulled up a late three up on the right wing, and it went in and out. Could have gone either way. 2-0 for the Wizards to start the year. Um, if you remember, they were really good last year before everyone got hurt. 
I say really good. They were a solid, you know, play, like lower seed playoff type of team last year before everyone got hurt. It's a simple formula. You've got a really good player leading the way in Bradley Beal, who's willing to pass the basketball. He had another really good playmaking game last night, was very uh, conservative with his shot selection. And then you just got a bunch of good role players around him. You know, Kyle Kuzma played amazing last night. I'm a huge fan of Rui Hachimura. He's one of my favorite young players in the league, just a gigantic wing that can make plays um a fun, fun wizards team they're not again they're not gonna make any real noise uh, but anytime you surround one of the themes of this day as we learned from the denver nuggets earlier anytime you surround a star player with good role players you're going to be competitive because role players are more important than ever in the modern nba you need them to capitalize on attention thrown at your stars aggregate offensive skill set down lineups is immensely important and the Wizards just have a lot of really good role players on the team. So they're going to be interesting throughout the season. So, all right, that's all I have for tonight, guys. You can all roast me in the comments for forgetting who that uh, forward is that plays for the uh, – it's killing me. I keep I keep wanting to say Jaden McDaniels, but that's the other guy who played for the um, – ah, it's killing me. Uh, it's the other guy who played for Minnesota last year. Um, all right, so here's the plan for this weekend. The Warriors and Lakers both play on Sunday. We're going to be covering both of those games – on uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Yes. <laughs> Finally got it. All right. We're going to be covering uh, all of Sunday night's games on Monday morning, kind of similar to what we did today. And then we're doing a live show on Tuesday night and a live show on Wednesday night. Uh, sometime maybe on Monday, I'll update you guys on the schedule for the rest of the week. All right. That's all I have. I sincerely appreciate your guys' support and I will see you on Monday. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.